Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm Virginia Stanley. I'm Chris Connolly. And I'm Lainey Mays. We are the library marketing team at HarperCollins Publishers. Above all, we love bringing librarians and great books together. Join us every week as we present buzzworthy books through author interviews, conversations with editors, and expert opinions from librarians like you. Enjoy the show. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest. Hi, everyone. It's Lainey. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a fun episode of Editors Unedited, where we're bringing on people to talk with our authors and get a little behind-the-scenes information on the new book coming out. So today, we welcome back to the podcast Jane Marie Kelly, who's the affiliate publisher for HarperCollins 360. We did a really cool podcast where she explains all about the imprint and Please go check that out. We'll link to it. But we welcome her back today to talk with a very special author. So I'm going to hand it over to her. Hi, Jean Marie. Hi, Lainey. Thanks a lot. Um, so I'm very happy today to be speaking with Mandy Robotham uh, today about her new novel, The Berlin Girl. Um, so this is going to be our third novel with Mandy here at Harper 360, and she's really one of our favorites. Uh, Mandy is the author of two USA Today bestsellers already, uh, The German Midwife and The Secret Messenger. Uh, she's been an aspiring author from the age of nine, but was waylaid by journalism and midwifery. Uh, and she's now a practicing midwife who writes about birth, death, love, and everything in between. Uh, and she also graduated with an MA in creative writing from Oxford Brookes University. She lives in England, so we extra appreciate you, Mandy, for joining us from 3,000 miles and a five-hour time difference away. So welcome. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure Absolutely. to be here. So I'm just going to give a little quick introduction to what the novel The Berlin Girl is about, and uh, then I'll ask you a few questions. Um, the Berlin Girl is set in 1938 Berlin, uh, just on the cusp of Hitler's incursions into the Sudetenland and the invasion of Poland that's going to set World War II in motion. Uh, Georgina Young, Georgie, as we know her, is a young British journalist uh, posted to Berlin alongside fellow London reporter Max Spender. They arrive in the city swathed in the red Nazi flags and crawling with Nazis. Um, and while Georgie's trying to sort of settle into the rhythm of her job reporting, um, she's also seeing, you know, terrible things, witnessing innocent people being torn from their homes. And as tensions begin to rise in the city, as we edge closer to the, to the war starting, she realizes she and Max have to act, even if it's going to be dangerous for them. And as she digs deeper, she uncovers the unspeakable truth about Hitler's Germany. And she and Max together are pulled into a world much darker than they could have ever imagined. So I'm going to start off with a general question, um, Andy. World War II historical fiction, it is so popular these days. It's been popular for a number of years now, pretty evergreen. But, you know, from the Nightingale to the Alice Network um, and your own German midwife and secret messenger. Um, why do you think readers are so drawn to this era? And why did you start writing about it? 
Um, I'm intensely curious about history, uh, lots and lots of different history, but I think it's the biggest thing that in living memory for a lot of people or that their relatives live through, um, where we, we have to really work hard to put ourselves in that situation perhaps not so much of, of recent events, but I mean, how many of us have lived through uh, a war um, that to end all wars, you know, a world war? So I think it's that not knowing. Um, and for me, it's about the nitty gritty, the wanting to get inside people's lives. What do they do every day? How did they feed themselves? How did they shop? How did they, how did they just survive when your life was under threat a good deal of the time? I think for me, that's the fascination. Interesting. I'm sure that's what most people are looking for. That's the part I enjoy reading about these books. So you really bring pre-war Berlin in 1938 to life. I, you sort of feel like you're there. How do you go about building a world like that for readers? Like, what's the research like? The research for this one did involve a trip to Berlin, which was my first, um, which is a city I love. I absolutely loved it. Um, but I start off normally with just lo looking at lots and lots of images online. Um, I read a lot of books. So I generally find one very fat, large, historical nonfiction tome. And I read my way through that and make lots of notes. And then I start branching out into more personal um, recollections, things like diaries, uh, particularly for the Berlin girl, diaries of journalists, which are fabulous because journalists write well and they're very articulate so um, you get a very um, an accurate depiction so I read a lot of diaries uh, a lot of memoirs um, and then you know and then you you rubber stamp that by actually going to the place and I walked down the Unted in London and I went to the Adlon Hotel um, I had possibly the most expensive cup of tea I've ever paid for. Um, I think it was something like 11 euros for a cup of tea, but it was the oh. best It was the best money spent. Um, I sat there for a good hour and a half in the lobby of the Adlon, sort of listening to the tinkling of the fountain and the piano and watching the people come and by. It was, it was, uh, it was just wonderful. Wow. I mean, that, that, that particular place is a big, part of the book that uh, when people are able to read it. I also find in your books, I always learn something like new in a history that I completely think I already understand. And in the Ber Berlin Girl, it's the same. It, for, for me, one of the like really <sighs> amazing things was, um, I'm going to say this right, Sachsenhausen. Um, That's right. One of the earliest concentration camps, and it was built not very far outside of Berlin itself. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and how you made this part of your story and why you wanted it to be part of the story? Again, it's one of those things that comes along just as you're, it's, it's a fortuitous thing that sometimes comes along as you're researching. So I just searched for concentration camps, early concentration camps. I was just trying to find out some information really. And then I found it was not that far from Berlin. It was like a a gift or a writer in a way um, and you know delving into the facts it actually was one of the forerunners where they tested out a lot of different things it was um, it, uh, and then going to so I, I actually went to Sachsenhausen um, which was both wonderful and chilling and sad and uplifting at the same time 
um, the history behind it and the people that survived or didn't. Um, it makes you, I, I love finding out those little treasures of history where you find out so much about people um, uh, rather than just dry facts. Um, it was so much about people. Uh, so I recommend anyone who goes to Berlin, um, if you like history, go to Sachsenhausen. It's, um, it's very revealing, put it that way. Yeah. Uh, w wow. Um, the Berlin girl's main character, Georgie, is a journalist. Again, you were talking about the Adlon and you see a lot of background on how the journalists, um, they stuck together, they hung out at night and partied. Um, but Georgie, she arrives in Berlin and I, I, I would call her kind of very wide-eyed, innocent, maybe a little naive, but she's also an inherently strong young woman. Can you talk about how you wanted the reader to perceive her and how you wanted her to develop over the course of the book? Um, I'm glad you said all of that because that's exactly, exactly how I wanted a, her to be seen. Um, I think you can't help writing about yourself. And I cast my mind back to many, many, many years ago when I started out as a very naive journalist myself in very local papers in North London. Um, so I was nowhere near Berlin. But, uh, you know, going out on jobs myself, I was incredibly naive. Uh, I look back at it now and I sort of shudder at how naive I was, but quite gung-ho at the same time. Uh, if you're a journalist, you have to be. You just have to leap in there because you so want that byline. You so want the words. You want yourself on the page. Um, so there was a bit of me in there. Um, but I, through my life as a my work as a midwife as well. I've seen inherently how strong women are. Um, women pull strength out of the bag every single time for me. I, I'm not a, you know, I love women. I'm not a man hater, but I have seen so much strength in women. And that's probably because I've worked with a lot of women over the years. No, absolutely. And there's, there's a number of strong women characters in this book that I completely appreciate and how women played roles, um, whether it's sort of subterfuge roles and also just a, a few female journalists that are that are participating in this. So let's talk about Max Spender. So he's another journalist. Um, he actually is arriving on the same flight as Georgie um, and also taking his first job in Berlin, uh, working for a different newspaper. So they're, they're kind of at odds with one another. They kind of don't get off to a good start, but they definitely become closer as the novel goes on. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about developing their relationship and where you were trying to take them? For me, I think any relationship that has a spark um, has got to be the start of it. And this, if you think back to how many um, old movies there are, how many new movies there are, where the, the protagonist, the couple, um, start out um, almost hating each other um, and you know, and then the relationship develops. So I think there's a, I, I like to think with Max and Georgie that they actually respect each other as journalists, then they become friends, then they become reliable friends, and then they become lovers. Um, so I think that they've got a good grounding. Um, they each want to prove themselves and they're each unsure of themselves. And, and that I hope is revealed along the way that he's had something of a, not a tough childhood, but an emotionally um, dry childhood. Um, and so they're looking for different things and she can give him that strength and equally he lends her strength as well. 
No, absolutely. Um, so there, another character who's important in the book um, is Ruben Amsel. So Georgie hires him basically to be her driver early on. And, and we get to know him, his sort of history, his family. Can you, can you tell the listeners a little bit more about the Amsels and why they're so important to the overall story and, and, and how you brought them together with Georgie? Well, the Amsels represent um, an archetypal Jewish family, I think, from my readings. Um, and they're there really to represent the, the, uh, of how life is. So Georgie comes in as an onlooker. She's in that privileged position of being uh, a white non-Jew. Um, so she's therefore protected in some way. Um, and they're not protected. You know, it's, it's a representation of how your everything in your life, your liberty, your property, can just be stripped away. And, you know, there could be a lot of different cultures and creeds there. Um, but they were fighting it in their own country. Uh, and I wanted to get across how scary that would be, that in order to feel safe in your family, you might actually have to leave the country of your birth. Um, there's a little bit of me in there too. I discovered quite late in life that my uh, father, uh, who didn't know his father very well, but he was actually Jewish. And although he was in North London, um, I wondered whether or not there had been some kind of, you know, uh, fight in their life beforehand. Um, so it's a little bit personal for me on that score. Uh, but I wanted them to, yes, to be on the other side, as it were, um, for, for Ruben to actually have to reveal um, what it's like uh, to be an alien in your own country. It really comes through. It's actually, I, you know, obviously the most heartbreaking sort of part of this and and how she gets to know this this family and and what un, what unravels for them. Um, so, yeah, uh, I was very very moved by all that. Uh, I know the re- the readers will be too. Um, so, this podcast is especially for librarians across the U.S. And so, I would love to ask you a little bit about what libraries meant for you growing up in. In your in your writing life as you sort of were developing, oh libraries! Oh, I just love libraries. I love bookshops. I love books. I love secondhand bookshops. I love libraries. Um, when I was at nursery, I distinct I have a distinct memory uh, of being about probably four years old, um, and a little group of us used to be taken across to the library across a, a little field. Uh, once a week and when it was my turn I was so excited to go across to the library and pick out the books for the nursery um, my mum took me to the library nearly every week um, there's a certain smell to a library um, and you know you can just go in there and take a really big breath and those racks of books I was always so excited um, to get my library books my own children we went to the library every week um, pick out new books because usually, you know, children like the, the same story endlessly told, <laughs> endlessly. So you have to keep changing over the books. Um, and now, as a you know writer, as a researcher, I go and sit in the British Library in London. Uh, it's the most marvelous place ever. It's just started to open up again, uh, and I love it. The reading room there is brilliant. And so for the Berlin girl, I was in there for hours and hours. I think I went through page by page about a year and a half's worth of copies of the News Chronicle. 
Um, they have the best selection of old newspapers. Anything you want, the British Library will get. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. So I'm a massive fan of libraries. Long live them. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, especially now when you sort of have these with the pandemic and libraries being closed for a while and hoping that they open up. It's it's so important because we know what they mean to our lives. And, you know, as you say, your children kind of growing up and being the gatekeepers. So um, I am very excited to ha- that we have more books coming from you in the next few years now. Um, can you tell us what your next novel is going to be about? Well, I'm sticking with Berlin. Um, I don't feel I've done with Berlin yet. Unfortunately, I've um, had my flights cancelled twice now for the uh, oh, yes. for the research trip. So uh, at the moment, the research is just having to be done via my laptop and lots and lots of books. Um, but I'm hoping to get back there again soon. And this time I'm taking a bit of a departure time-wise and I'm going to go be doing the early 1960s um, and the Berlin Wall. Um, so I'm talking about separation again. I think it must be quite a theme with me. I've no idea <laughs> psychologically what that says about me, but uh, I'm going to go with the, so it starts as the Berlin Wall goes up and it follows a family through um, the separation um, that politics and concrete and, you know, men in suits can, the, the sort of effect it can have on families Uh, which it really, really did have. So again, I'm finding all those wonderful stories out there, real stories about babies being held up over the wall and grandmas not being able to see their grandchildren and, you know, things that really did happen. And of course, the great thing about this is that there is quite a lot of photographic evidence and there have been a lot of absolutely brilliant radio programmes and podcasts about this recently, uh, about the tunnels and, you know, life and people uh, you know young enough still to remember it which is great so uh my research for this has been uh really really interesting um and quite current as well it sounds great i can't wait to hear more about it do you think you're going to go back to anything with uh your midwife background obviously the german midwife was your first book for us and you you were able to use you know obviously your knowledge based on that are you going to be bringing that back into any of the upcoming books there we're talking about books five and six at the moment and yes i think i probably will bring in uh uh, i don't think i've done talking about birth yet um (laughs) the problem for me is that i'm very much a natural birth midwife um i'm a home birth midwife by uh, uh, most of the births i've done have been at home and not in a larger hospital and so i'm sort of quite out of practice about talking about hospital births uh, even though it's not that long ago for me. Um, but I feel much more comfortable. And there's only so many home births you can talk about, but I think I have a few left in me yet, a few surprises. <laughs> uh, you know, I like them in unusual places. So, you know, like a buses, boats, yurts, <laughs> anything like that, uh, that's that's my bag. Very so, yeah, good. I, I think, but I don't want to be that midwife turned writer that, always writes about midwives and births no i definitely you know after i read the german midwife and then we moved on to secret messenger which is set in venice during world war ii which also was very fascinating for me to learn about and now in this so i I could definitely see you aren't going to pigeonhole yourself in any way 
Um, so, so that's good. I, the other thing I want to say before we kind of close is I obviously don't want to give away the ending, but I just love the way you finish the Berlin girl. You finish it as it's such a testament to who Georgie is and you bring it sort of through. So we understand the full depth of the story and I'll just leave it there, but I just wanted to congratulate you on what I thought was a really brilliant way to end the book. Thank you, Mandy, so much for joining. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Very good. So I just want to let uh, the librarians know that Berlin Girl is on sale here in the U.S. for December 8th in trade paperback. But we are also simultaneously publishing a hardcover, uh, especially for the libraries. We know you like the, uh, the tougher binding that there's we hope there's lots of circulations of these books. So uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Library Love Fest podcast. For more information on this week's episode, go to librarylovefest.com. Enjoying the show? We would love to hear what you think. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Library Love Fest and on Instagram at Harper Library. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. Lastly, if you enjoy our show, we bet you'll enjoy all of the other podcasts from HarperCollins Publishers. Find a list of shows at harpercollins.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.